I'm out in my yard. It's a kind of cool thing about Anchor is you can uh, podcast from anywhere when you get inspired. I actually meant to do this the same day I wrote this blog, but I never got around to it. Dentistry will never close again. Why and how? It's your reaction to adversity, not adversity itself, that determines how your life's story will develop. Now listen, I have a bold statement. Dentists could help prevent a pandemic and ensure the safety of future generations. Dentists will never close again. It's my mission statement. I've spent 36 years in this business. I've never seen anything like this, although when I started in 1984, HIV was something close. But at this point, I am going to work my butt off to make it that dentists will never close again. So go ahead and be critical. Tell me how ridiculous this is. Look for all the reasons it won't work. That's a good thing. We need people to be thinking of solutions. I don't need a bunch more reasons why it wouldn't work. I need to find reasons why it would work. In my entire 36 years in this business, I've been surrounded by people that are a lot smarter than I am. As a matter of fact, it's not just in dentistry. I met these people through all kinds of parts of my life. It's my purpose in life to recognize the skill and talent of every person that I meet. What I've realized is my talent isn't really having the right idea at the right time. It's the blessing of knowing so many talented people. That's why I know that this idea will work because it involves you. We're all only one degree away from this. And I already know and trust the people who can make this work. And as a world, we will come together to help this work. We all need it. My hope is that this plan not only grows to stop this problem that we are in now, but also it helps build a better future for all of healthcare, all types of healthcare. That we realize, like dental healthcare has been from the very beginning, that prevention is the cure. A healthy immune system starts with oral health, total health. I want to talk about something that I call time factors. I know there's different ways to think about this, but years ago I developed a formula that was rather simple. And I'm not trying to sell anything other than the idea. But the idea is, and it was based on lots of research and models and science and evidence and numbers, and this has been going for a long time for me. The formula can be applied to all business, to all human life. It's efficiency. The model is particularly valid and proven every day during this pandemic that we are locked down for the benefit of all of us. And all business, all human life, and in particular in healthcare, and particularly now, understand this formula. Whenever we think of going forward in a business, in life, we have to make a plan that's number one, good for the people, But at the same time, number two, good for business. And that business can be going about doing the things that you love to do. And it's got to be in that order. I'll briefly discuss in regards to our current situation in healthcare. So time factors. 
Number one, good for patients. It must be proven scientifically, independently, with street credibility. It's got to be a predictable system, reliable and affordable. Number two, good for business. You have to allow a business to have a profit for people to enjoy life in order to want to reinvest or to go ahead and do it. It's a motive. Keeping the lights on and the doors open. So we need something, number one, that's good for the people, the health of the people. At the same time, it's got to be good for the business of what we do, which is living. Human beings are making decisions and weighing time factors every day. Some entire countries have weighted these options and decided that the formula is to leave the business of being a human being open, but enforce some restrictions for the good of public health, like Sweden and Singapore and Korea and even Canada to a point. Please take a minute and watch the CNBC video about um, Sweden. It's not on a national uh, lockdown amid coronavirus. And if you watch the ideas behind it, it's not that they haven't taken restrictions or taken this seriously. They just believe they've weighted number one, what's good for the public against number two, what's good for business. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about mental health, about being in your yard and enjoying this beautiful view that I'm looking at right now. But further, being able to get on a plane, being able to go out and be with people, Go to a concert. Go to your store where you want to shop. It's about how we love to be social. They weighed the consequences of public health against the business. And they've taken some chances. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe it's controversial. But it's the time factors. We have to weigh what we're doing. If we put too much weight on time factor number one, public health, locking us all down, what's good for the patient, then we're going to wait for a 100% proven scientifically um, regardless of cost. And this is where it all begins because I see lots of treatments in dental that were really good in all of medical health care, but it's too expensive and it fails because only a, a select few can afford it. And it's niche and people stop investing because it just costs too much to get it to market. If it's, it might be good for the patient, it might be proven and effective. Maybe staying home for the next one and a half years until there's no more coronavirus is the right thing to do for the patient. But it will bankrupt the number two economy, the businesses. It happens in medicine all the time. Medicine is developed that people can't approve. Um, medicine that's developed that people can't afford. It's proven to be good for the patient, but only good for the business at a price is too high. So it's ineffective for public health care. Many of the ideas when first developed are too expensive, but they can reach a critical mass. So it's not just medicine that is, you know, number one, good for people, but number two, bad for business or vice versa. It can be a technique. It can be technology. In dentistry in particular, we can develop a system. But if it's too tedious, if it takes too long, it costs too much labor, there's little incentive. It will thus be too expensive. 
So bad for number two, business, and it will fail except for a niche market. If we have too restrictive of policies with infection control protocols for the good of the patient, it will not incentivize anybody to want to go to work because it will be too expensive to provide that treatment and we will not have healthcare providers to provide that vital treatment. Although many current solutions meet requirement one, they fail at number two and thus fail to be implemented and effective. Most of us are stuck on number two. We need to make a living. I understand that. We need to have a something that applies for the good of human beings. We need to go out and pay for our shelter and food and have hope and help each other. So let's look at Korea and Singapore. Both have made decisions based on both weighing number one and two. Some restrictions on public health, some restrictions on freedom, investments in testing and tracing. These are examples that we can use and learn from. They were allowing people to still have a human being life and go to work and keep the economy going, going forward for all of mankind with some risk to human health, but reducing the risk. All we know is that we don't know anything for certain. That's why this podcast should be considered an idea and I hope it inspires you. I don't have any intentions of being dangerous and starting controversy, but I do intend to bring out the human spirit, the entrepreneurs with ingenious, simple ideas to encourage all of us to work together and find a balance. I want to tell you my possible coronavirus story. My wife and I travel quite a bit and have a second home in Arizona. We usually take a winter trip in early February and my work, as you know, is in dentistry. It's very busy and the timing wasn't good this year. I made promises to my wife, just hold steady and we'll take a last minute trip. It happened late February. We decided to book Cabo San Lucas for five days. And then after that, we were going to head to Vancouver for one of the largest Canadian dental conferences, the Pacific Dental Conference, which is infamous now. We knew about the coronavirus. It was already hitting China. It was already spreading. We were nervous, but there was no public health shutdowns. We hopped a rather somber flight and my wife Karen's a paramedic and it's not completely unusual to step up to help with an in-flight medical emergency. Shortly after telling the lady seated next to her that what she does for a living, being asked if she ever has to help with an onboard medical emergency, it happened. Uh, excuse me, passengers, is there a doctor on board? Well, Karen always responds and helps. As a paramedic, she deals with emergencies all the time. And since no doctor stepped up, and I don't think it would have mattered, it was welcomed help. There was a sick person that basically painted the bathroom in the back. And this is in the midst of coronavirus. It's risky to deal with this kind of stuff right now. She actually helped twice on the flight. And then after we landed a third time, we boarded a bus after the airplane in Cabo and a little old lady cut her leg really badly stepping onto the bus. There was blood all over the place. It was a deep gushing gash to the bone and Karen responded and we stayed until the local paramedics arrived. Then we went over to the resort. So all I'm saying is we had a risky time even getting off the flights. We flew back to Vancouver and our daughter Sarah lives in Vancouver with our twin toddler aged grandsons. And the grandsons had runny noses and coughs and fevers. 
all the things that you would not normally worry about too much because they were happy and bouncing around. And then they would just, one was actually like half awake and half asleep some of the time. And then the other one would be okay. And they were kind of taking turns with that, both kind of feeling good and then bad. But we did the grandpa and grandma things and we washed our hands and we avoided touching people and things. Then I went to the Pacific Dental Conference from March 4th to 6th. There's sanitizer all over the place. We didn't touch anybody, but it wasn't about social distancing yet. We spent the rest of the weekend visiting friends and family. We got home from the conference and back to work March 9th. Karen still had a couple days off, but I was scheduled to go back to work on March 11th. And I went to work until March 11th. Because I had been away for a couple of weeks, I made up for lost time and I went to see almost all of my customers. I have about 80 offices I call on. We heard rumors that a dentist at the conference was infected Monday or Tuesday, it was just kind of rumors I heard from some other colleagues. I received an email shortly after from work that is in, in abundance of caution. Anybody who was at the Pacific Dental Conference would self-isolate until March 23rd. I told Karen and Karen let her work know. And as a paramedic, they decided she better stay home as well. This was before any public health announcements. Karen was actually experiencing some symptoms and we called our local health line to get tested. The healthcare system was already starting to struggle and we couldn't even get through to the agencies. We waited and eventually she was tested and eventually she was cleared. I also had some mild symptoms, but not enough for concern, but I still had a runny nose, no fever, no reason to really test except for I had just traveled, I had just been exposed to somebody who was known to have the coronavirus. But I want to talk, that's exactly where I want to go right now and exactly why I think dentists should never, ever close again. Why couldn't I get a test? I understand. And in a way, I might have been an asymptomatic carrier and I was just around a lot of other people that had it. It would have been good if it was convenient if we had invested in our healthcare system and prepared our preventive medicine to be ready to be tested. Dentists and dental health teams are trusted healthcare providers. They have regular access to a majority of the population. In Canada, in 2015, there's one dentist for every 1,600 people. Statistics say that over 80% of Canadians saw a dentist within the last two years, and over half went even more frequently. Many countries have similar situation with dental health care providers. And if they don't, you'll find that most countries have huge growth in that area. There's opportunity for dentists to help the general public who trust them and see them regularly for preventive care. And dental health care is always focused on prevention. Toothpaste and floss came out almost right after the modern dentistry started. The reason for a regular visit to a dentist is to diagnose and prevent disease. Oral health is vital to systemic health. Using saliva and blood testing can help diagnose some systemic health issues, and it could be used now. Look at the fascinating research with DNA and the ability to do a DNA uh, blood test that can deliver a COVID result at the initial stages within two hours and all kinds of other things early diagnosis of cancer. We can actually check for diabetes. And again, I'm not trying to be a cowboy. It's just worth exploring. 
Dental health teams are abundant with excellent abilities controlling aerosols and contaminated environments. Dentistry was considered by the New York Times as the workers who face the greatest coronavirus risk. Dentistry has faced these challenge, uh, these types of risk for every disease every day since the day I started. Since before that, it's the reason our profession has evolved so highly with infection control, following very strict and expensive standards to provide yet a reasonable price and needed health care. Preventive care. Maintaining a high standard of infection control while being able to provide affordable care. Dentistry is an excellent example of how health care can work for everyone. Using my time factors as an example, number one, providing good care for the patient that's scientifically proven with street credibility, which um, is good for the patient, long lasting, but at the same time, affordable. And it's number two, good for business with enough incentive for people to invest in it, to want to actually go to school, to learn to do it, to provide a decent living. We've been able to continue to grow dentistry because we have a perfect balance of that. We continue to provide preventive care with systemic health benefits at a reasonable price to the majority of the population who voluntarily come to see us. It's a huge opportunity when they're there for education and for testing. Excellent opportunity for total health towards full immunity. Dentistry shows exactly how a public-private funded healthcare system can excel, allowing enough profit to continue to advance the preventive care initiative, leaving incentive to continually improve, but also stay competitive and keep costs for services reasonable, developing materials and techniques that are constantly improving while constantly improving patient and provider safety. Dentists could use this perfected system to help the world. And testing is key. The American Dental Association recently asked that COVID testing in the most accurate and approved forms to be in the scope of practice for dental healthcare professionals. The ADA news release April 22nd reads, dental groups seek federal approval to administer COVID-19 tests. The tests would have to meet the criteria for number one, good for the patient. They have to be accurate, proven, scientific, approved. And number two, they got to be good for business. It has to be a reason for people to come to the business, pay for the test. It has to work for both parties. Everybody gets a benefit. In other words, our current system in dental care could work very well. It's a private public initiative. Maybe if a company wants to get their workers back, they would pay to get employees tested. If they have a public health issue, they could get quickly tested. Whenever it's most convenient, if public health suspects a problem area, they could pay for an initiative in that particular area with very convenient people who see patients for a regular exam without having to have a massive panic. It would meet all criteria, number one and number two, good for patients, good for business. It's not just now, but for the future. The advantage of using dental health care teams in conjunction with medical teams and public health is data. Using data, regularly applied data from saliva testing, from the data we gain from exams while we're looking for perio, while we're doing biomarkers. 
People who regularly test saliva and blood as a diagnostic tool and for preventive measures could really benefit all of healthcare. If we use our current technology and gather data using systems like the FDI Data Hub, it could give us a lot of important data from around the world beyond COVID. Dental healthcare workers around the world could use the cloud and a central hub to gather evidence of many health issues. If scientists combine this with data, with data from the other healthcare providers, not just dentists, but all types of other healthcare providers, use some algorithms and maybe some predictive AI, I feel we could start to identify and prevent other health issues. And an affordable healthcare preventive model would be formed. If all healthcare work together, would this have merit? Is this the time to pivot? Consider that dentistry is preventive driven, working closely with medicine by early diagnosis. This would have a tremendous effect on reducing the risk of a pandemic. So if you're a dentist and interested in this and you wonder how can we continue to provide these high levels of proven care and you get back to work, let's read on. I will not rewrite what's already excellent and science-backed about the safety of care provided by the dental health care teams. It's been proven. 36 years I've been around has been a gold standard. The current OSHA, CDC, IPAC, and other IPC protocols, we were already at very high le- uh, levels of infection control. We know how to work with aerosol. But here's what I think we need the most. Number one, testing. We need testing. If we know we can, if we want to get back to work in dentistry, and we know we've screened that patient properly, and then we further screen them with a test, we should be able to provide safe care to those patients. As long as we have PPE, and the supply chain needs to be fixed. I don't consider just emergencies as fixing the supply chain. Just... um, In some areas, like where I live in Saskatchewan, it's like we have reached a critical plank. We never had the huge problems. Our healthcare never got overrun here. Considering Saskatchewan Health Services locally could share maybe some of the resources, the same way the community stepped up and shared their gear with public health, maybe we could get some help with the gear to get Saskatchewan dentists going. My opinion is that PPE in the long run will be resourced and available in a measured manner in order for dental clinics to get back to work. We can't allow hoarding to happen or a broken supply chain to force some offices to be able to work while others remain closed or some distribution to take advantage of a competitive situation. Because the system, if it's not fixed, it'll be bad for business and then number one will fail. We need our PPE and we need testing. So let's assume that it gets fixed and they get testing and PPE. Then we just need to follow some good protocols. We might add some extra ways to reduce the aerosol uh, problem. And it's not that big of a problem because we've scientifically proven it for many years by working safely among aerosols and controlling it with the equipment and techniques that we currently have. So we can reduce the risk with a few new affordable protocols, probably. So in summary, Saskatchewan, along with many U.S. states, have been fortunate enough to have kept COVID-19 virus under control. Using strong measures and good advice, it's my goal we continue to see success on these initiatives. 
It's my opinion that provinces and states that have proven to have controlled the outbreak be allowed to work closely with public health to get dental offices back to work safely, providing the necessary PPE in a measured manner and guidance that's reasonable and effective and using a monitoring system. So let's start with testing.